My name is John Frankfurt, and this is my colleague Mark Phillipson. We both work at the Center for New Media Teaching and Learning here at Columbia University, uh, which is also co-hosting this event. Uh, the center is a resource here at the university for all faculty who have some interest in integrating technology into their classroom to advance some particular curricular or pedagogical goal. Uh, this can mean very basic services, such as uh, helping uh, uh, upload and construct an online syllabus to more complicated online projects, uh, dynamic interactive environments. For this presentation, Mark and I are going to be talking about one of our larger projects that we just uh, worked on recently, the Havel at Columbia website. Uh, this past fall semester, Václav Havel arrived at Columbia University for an eight-week residency featuring lectures, interviews, conversations, classes, performances, and panels centered around his life and ideas. As part of this residency, the Center for New Media Teaching and Learning partnered with the University Arts Initiative, who was uh, producing this event, to build the Havel at Columbia website, an online resource designed to engage students, instructors, as well as the general public with Havel's visit to Columbia. Several aspects of this project marked it as unusual for what we do at the center in that we support a primarily uh, campus faculty uh, uh, use. Uh, the problems include the engagement of a wide range of disciplines, uh, the fact this was an events-driven content as opposed to classroom-driven, uh, its openness to the general public. These features had to be addressed on top of the primary agenda of any CC and MTL project, which is the purposeful engagement of new media and teaching uh, and learning in classes in Columbia. So I think oh, it, when we talk about what we'll be showing you here, this open content, the open video, it's, I think we're very much in agreement with what Rick was just talking about with the idea of openness. Not necessarily just content that is accessible, but content that is usable. And as we give you a tour through this site, we'll be emphasizing that usability as, as much as we can in the amount of time that we have. We, we're going to take you through a brief tour of the site with a particular emphasis on the open video to demonstrate how we collected, produced, and made video available as learning materials here at Columbia as well as uh, the, uh, a resource for the general public. The first kind of video I want to show you are just the interviews we conducted here. Ask each other one question. And his question was, and really made uh, President Hobble proved to have many prominent friends who were interested in participating. So in this project, uh, including uh, people like Lou well. Reed, Edward Albee, Milos Foreman, George H.W. Yeah, Bush, turned down a little bit, David Remnick, George Soros. So that made it very interesting, just a little bit more. I really thought about that. Here you see one interview running behind uh, in the background. In addition, we interviewed faculty here at the university to take advantage of their expertise on and around Hobble. Let me switch to just one other example of the interviews we captured. A lot better than I do. Not so many fights. Hobble. If you notice here, this is our, our video display window where you have the video playing. This is flash video, as well as the interview we conducted segmented and chapterized, which a user could navigate through. Let me open another one. To capture, process, and present these interviews, we use our video team, which you see everywhere in this room Brian, Stephanie, Gerard. They were very integral in terms of capturing this content and making it available. I'd like to point out as you're watching this interview that uh, in order to, 
to guide uh, visitors to the site to the, to the range of materials, because on top of uh, videos, we had uh, online materials such as digitized uh, photographs, documents, playbills, posters, etc. These materials are activated when you're watching these interviews. So when, it, for example, when George Soros is talking and he mentions certain things, items, links appear in the related links window. So he's talking about Charter 77. I can click here, and then a gallery of Charter 77 will eventually open. The interview is still playing. I can scroll through and see the range of content we got, which was donated, we took from the libraries here at the university, all of which further illustrates uh, the interview that you're uh, engaging with. The participants, it was really quite a hardline regime. The, this was they, content they, that we produced. We worked with uh, researchers. We had to actually make those decisions. It's not automated. Families, uh, yeah, in terms of making that happen, yes. Children didn't program that have an opportunity for education. Now let me go to another interview. On top, excuse me. In addition to the interviews that we captured, we also captured many of the events here. Uh, for instance, the, uh, the most important the conversation thing about the 21st between Hubble, Lee Bollinger, our president, is and the degree of Bill interdependence Clinton. among people throughout the world and you still hear Mr. Soros and our in the interdependence with the ecosystem of the earth. And all of our problems flow out of So again, you find similarities, and this was important consistency in terms of the video window, found how it looked. It'd be chapterized, you can navigate it. And again, this is something you could watch, which is available this for anyone who's coming to visit crowd the site. Would have been 30 years and ago. on top of that, we captured all sorts of different events that were going on, panels, discussions, uh, plays that were performed by the students here at the universities of a number of different Hobbes plays, readings that were done by actors who were available in New York cities. All these things were available for people to watch, view, and engage with. In addition to the video that we captured that we controlled so we can make freely available, we worked hard to solicit material uh, that didn't belong to us uh, and incorporate it and make it freely available. For instance, we worked with writer-director Jan Novak, who agreed to let us show a representative sample of his documentary on Václav Havel in the site. In addition to that, we negotiated with CNN to let uh, us use the raw footage that they took from the Velvet Revolution. When I said the raw footage CNN, when we first contacted them and let them know about this project, uh, they weren't willing to give us the produced pieces that were done when Bernard Shaw was on the air and talking about it. But they were more than happy to give us all the raw footage uh, that they took. And they asked us, were you, would you be interested in that? And we said we were very interested in that. And this allowed us to take uh, this hours of footage and produce it into the context of our site and uh, make it openly available. So we're very excited about that. We thought that was a really uh, uh, interesting partnership with an organization where you might think on this, uh, on, on, at the first level, might not be interested in making their content immediately openly available, uh, a place like CNN. So I'm going to show one more clip, and then Mark's going to continue in, in terms of talking about how we made this content. A sekretariátu UVKSČE dávají své funkce k dispozici.
as seductive as video is, I'm going to go into a PowerPoint. <laughs> Okay, uh, I thought it would be useful just to sort of summarize the types of video that were in this project, Havel at Columbia, um, just to kind of sit back and marvel at how educational technology groups like the Center for New Media and Teaching and Learning is, um, in addition to a pilferer of riches that we find around us in libraries and archives, um, a magnet for donated content and also production center. Um, and so we have a real mixture of uh, video um, in this project. We have the interviews that we um, ran out and did at uh, uh, considerable, um, a lot of time spent on that. Um, a lot of fancy friends, as John mentioned, to, uh, to interview, including George Soros here. Uh, we have the documentary footage that was donated to us and uh, donated to us on terms where we could make it openly available for educational use. Uh, we had uh, material from a database in the library, the Vanderbilt Television News Archive, um, and this was not openly available for redistribution. I have a little crown there because we actually had to build in a couple of levels in the architecture of the site. Um, some of the video material, the majority of it, was gathered under the open terms that we were preferring because we were making it ourselves and uh, we were also uh, negotiating that. But uh, we didn't limit ourselves to openly available video material. We mixed in for Columbia students and for, um, for faculty uh, um, resources from the library as well. Uh, we had those uh, very arresting outtakes of uh, news footage from CNN Again, given to us openly for uh, whatever educational use we wanted to make of it, um, and, 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 and quite involving uh, when there's no, nobody around to sort of interpret and you see sort of the raw um, moments of history. And we had those campus events that we were capturing. And we had a range of student performances all uh, producing Havel plays, lots of readings and plays. So there was a lot a video going into this project. And I would love to tell you a story about this video, a story I think that we would all be fairly uh, sympathetic with. What, I, what I'd love to tell you is that all of these videos that we were able to gather and produce and capture and clear as much as possible for open educational use were in the process of production routinely tagged with metadata um, and ingested into a repository um, that we had here at Columbia University uh, in our fine research libraries uh, where they could be uh, in turn discovered and circulated uh, and reused and recontextualized, not only by us as we made future projects. I have a suspicion that we'll be building future educational projects that will uh, in interrogate some of these, uh, these materials, um, human rights or um, the history of the Cold War not only by us, but um, discovered uh, by researchers and students who were searching the library OPAC or perhaps WorldCat um, for uh, materials about the end of the Cold War, or by students interested in uh, figuring out what the theater of the absurd is and uh, stumbling on perhaps a reading of the Garden Party with Dustin Hoffman bringing it to life. We have that on, on the website. Um, so I would love to tell that story um, how we uh, were able to um,
feed this video into a repository that would be in turn uh, harvested by other repositories of teaching and learning um, uh, objects and incorporated into vast public uh, resources and forums like Google Video uh, and sent out into the world in many ways. And, but that cyber infrastructure is under construction now. Um, I just wanted to use this hideous under construction sign that we all know and love. Um, here at the center, uh, we are building uh, two-way channels between digital archives and educational environments. We're calling this our Digital Bridges Initiative. We're, we're thinking about how to make that story that I just told you come true. Um, in the meantime, though, for this uh, Havel at Columbia uh, project, the video that, you, that I enumerated uh, remains in this website. And I just wanted to talk about two ways in which we were able to model reuse and recontextualization just using this website. Um, the first way is through syndication. Uh, we had RSS feeds, so when new video material, particularly since this was an events-driven site, when new material came onto the site, we were able to uh, feed it into subscriptions that would then uh, be available through iTunes and other um, uh, video and audio content subscription channels. But maybe the more interesting uh, way that we were uh, able to model reuse and recontextualization of video were through what we call Hovel Notebooks. And these were personalized spaces uh, in the Hovel at Columbia website in which uh, <coughs> videos uh, could be collected. Uh, so here I'm logged in to the Hovel at Columbia website and you see next to the chapter that I'm watching, Impressions of Hovel, there's a little add to notebook icon. Um, I'm able to just click that and that one chapter, not the whole interview, but that one chapter that I'm interested in comes into my notebook. Here's my notebook and um, you see that clip came in there, Impressions of Hobble, there's just that one chapter. Uh, there's a WYSIWYG that allows me to write what I want to about this one particular piece of video that I've taken the trouble to gather. And I can go on through the site. Um, here's that uh, clip that was playing as I stood up. Um, and I can add that to my notebook as well. And I can go through the site and I can uh, mix chapters of video as well as um, images, glossary terms. And I have a notebook that I can fill out. And what's particularly interesting about this notebook is I can play the chapters that I have collected right in my notebook. So I can do my playlist. Uh, right there, and I can share it, I can make it public um, to the rest of the world. We had model notebooks on the Hovel at Columbia website, which uh, faculty, and here the dean of the School of International and Public Affairs, uh, selected what they considered to be the most important video on the site, uh, gave a little introduction and a little selection, uh, here Lisa Anderson, uh, lists out her selected videos. Here's another, uh, the head of the Columbia University Arts Initiative, um, also in a very sort of personal way, trying to engage students to interact with what they find on the website by himself putting up a top ten list of the top ten pieces of video that move him the most. 
here he's uh, including a video of students um, in Prague ringing their keys in 1989, ringing out the communists. Um, this is a student notebook, an actual uh, graduate student using this notebook to track and comment on the many events that were happening surrounding the Havel visit. Uh, so here he's uh, including um, a segment in which uh, Havel talks about Cuba and, uh, um, and what human rights in Cuba should uh, be. And finally, this is my last uh, slide here. This is another student notebook. This is a fledgling director. And she's talking about the theater of the absurd. And she's thinking about President Havel's uh, political background. And she's trying to put it together. And I think that we can see sort of a, a, a nascent grammar, almost, of video here. Because what she's doing in a sort of an informal and personal way, she's talking about um, the events of the Prague Spring and the heartbreak there. And this is a clip that is actual archival footage of the 1968 Prague Spring. And she's thinking about the theater of the absurd and how in the theater of the absurd there is a sort of a evacuation of belief in the, in the possibilities of language. However, <laughs> in capital letters, and then she goes right into selected clips of the, the most dramatic moments of the Velvet Revolution, leading her to think, how can a man steeped in the dark history of 1968 and cultivating artistically uh, a sensibility through the theater of the absurd, how could he be the one to rise up and lead a nation into a much more hopeful chapter? Um, and I would just sort of point out the way that she's using video clips here as almost, almost words, almost a, a piece of language here, um, and dunking us right in to what she's clearly finding very moving, and we can watch it in her notebook and see if we agree. Thank you very much.